listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Hey, it's episode 301 of the 9to5 Entertainment System, and that means that it's the year in review. Just kidding, we did not do that at all. Instead, we talked about Tetris, the USSR, the Summit Series, Game Boy, Super Nintendo, Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon, and Murder at the End of the World. Uh, and if that doesn't do it for you, subscribe to Garbage Time on our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and subscribe to Garbage Time, which is a bonus episode that we record each and every week. On this week's episode, we talk about True Detective Season 3, Avengers Arena, and the works of Jonathan Hickman. Anyway, enjoy the show. spell like fine plants and animals exists that's that's the classic dungeon dragons question why be a rogue when knock is level two and invisibility is level two like you could do all the rogue stuff as a wizard but also still be a wizard yeah it's similarly to rangers like rangers are gonna have a stack of druid spells or druids can have a stack of ranger spells i should say that are gonna probably make rangers look stupid like rangers have you know oh wow I'm, i'm trained in uh in animal handling, and you're like, well, I can speak with animals, and I have a high charisma, so I just convinced the hawk like, <laughs> to be my best friend. Yeah. It's stupid. D&D is stupid. <clears throat> I mean... <laughs> we, we did a whole episode about this, actually. <laughs> about D&D uh, falling apart? Yeah, yeah. The, like, the fallout is still going on. Like, Hasbro is... Uh, is I, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. I don't know. The worst part about it right now is that we're doing this podcast, and for some reason Scott's camera doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what he's doing, but I can see does, that his app is not focused. So his does, camera does doesn't work, care? and his app is not focused. <laughs> so I'm just like, is he even here? Is I'm, he I'm pretty playing? sure I'm here. I was going to say, or is he just like playing Tetris in another tab? That's right. Oh, segue Tetris. Tetris news. I've, well, I've I got, two... got Squadcast to the kill screen. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> So, double Tetris news. Okay. Uh, one is the first time in history that someone hit the NES kill screen. Mm-hmm. Because of they invented a new way to hold the controller. Hyper, hyper tapping? Or, yep. or something? So, if, if, if you want to imagine an NES controller, you're now holding it kind of upside down with your thumb hovering over the D-pad and you're tapping the back of the controller into your thumb so that you can input it, put inputs faster. That mm-hmm. that's roughly the weird little claw grip that's going on. And then uh, for the first, so that allowed people to because it was like so when you talk about a kill screen, if we don't, I don't know, you're listening to episode three hundred one of ninety s. If you don't know what a kill screen is, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. It could be yeah. different, right? There's it's... different. The Pac-Man's kill screen, right, glitches out completely and. Half of the half of the window disappears, but you can still play in the half of the window that isn't appearing properly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas in this, it actually hard crashes the moment the kill the kill screen occurs. Yeah, exactly. So the kill screen is basically where the game is, where the the code of the game is asking the hardware of the game to do things it can't do anymore, and it just craps out. Basically. Yeah, or a, or just like a bug that was never expected to be reached. You know, Pac-Man, they never expected you to get to level 250 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think this pa- one... Oh, past, I, past 255, I think, whatever it is, because of the... Yeah. Yeah. This one, the video that I watched had a guy go into details about the actual... The code that goes wrong way, way deep into it. So, and this is this is something that I was reading that you're like, hypothetically, 
there is still another kill screen to be had, which is the Tetris the Tetris kill screen. Okay. So this kill screen, specifically the one that the uh, the 13-year-old unlocked, is if you hit a single line, it hits the kill screen. If you hit a double line, it removes enough of the code that it doesn't kill. So yeah. technically, they're like, there is, in theory, a Tetris kill screen, which is what, where if you hit a Tetris and it hits the kill screen, because that would be like a couple minutes further into play <laughs> than the game would crap out. So, so the, the video that I watched said that he, there's like, the you know, you're at a level and then on that level, certain behavior that you do will generate, will, will break the code and cause it to crash. So he yeah. was on a level and he actually tried to get a Tetris and fucked it up and only yeah. got three. So he missed a kill screen. Yeah. And then the guy who did the analysis said, okay, there's another kill screen two levels later if you get double rows. Yeah. So he played with it enough to get to that next, the next point and then generated it. But there's a whole variety of different kill screens yeah, exactly. at different levels going on. So people could stretch out the game much farther by dodging kill screens yeah, and exactly. getting higher level kill screens later on. That was, that was yeah. and I, like I said, I think we, I don't know if we had the same article or same video or whatever, but I yeah. think it was that the, the, a Tetris kill screen I think would be the furthest along. Or whatever, oh, yeah? like like that. I if, if I if I understood the way that they were analyzing the code, like it would be okay. that is the longest slash furthest into the code you can play. Uh, so there is like a, a theoretical Tetris kill screen, which I feel is right. the mm-hmm. the feather in someone's cap. To be someone had. somewhere is gonna love that. Anyway, super fun. So you know something that uh, was thought impossible, and then computers did it a while ago, and then people discovered a new way to hold the controller like animals. <laughs> Did you did you did you see the videos of the guys' hands? They have gloves yeah. that they wear that help their hands slide just right as they're tap 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 super super <laughs> rapid fire tapping. I love how people had thought that the game kind of ended around level thirty or forty because that's where it got too fast to play with a normal with normal grip. Yeah, and then people just thought for like years and years, okay, that's it, it's just done at that point, and. They now it was at a level 155. The kill screen. Like, I don't even know. Well, it's, it's impossible to tell. Like I, I watched the the last 15 or 20 minutes of the of the run, and the it's like video. you're yeah. like level 9B, and you're like level CW. Like like there's just like it's really? it's, it's yeah because it's only two digits. Huh. So oh. at 99, it just starts like throwing information into that level screen, it, and I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't <laughs> know what it is. The guy who did the analysis actually did count what level you were actually on. I'm pretty sure it was 155 or 153 yeah. or something that he was at where, where uh, he got yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, Which well, is still it. outrageous. Like, if you've played NES Tetris, that is really fucking fast. And it's also three hours or something to get there, right? Like, yeah. you are playing a lot of goddamn Tetris. Well, so, yeah, the video, at least, I don't know when it starts, but I watched the, a 45-minute video of the 13-year-old kid doing it. But it was already going fast when he starts recording. Like He probably, okay, like... Yeah. He probably like runs the first two hours like with his eyes closed and then like hits record, yeah. <laughs> like when it starts to like hit ludicrous speed, <laughs> like because otherwise it's un like unwatchable. Like no one cares about the first like hundred le- levels or whatever it is. Probably it's like not even yeah. worth recording. Anyway, uh, and then I also watched the Tetris movie. Oh, how was that? Like, did uh, was it the new Face of Terror? The new face of terror. What? I feel like that was when uh, pa- when uh, Penny Arcade made a fake Tetris movie joke. Mm. They called they called the blocks the face of terror. I might be wrong. I might be misquoting them. Vaguely, I remember there was a com- like a, a joke thing about like oh like like finding the lines or whatever it is. Yeah, but mm-hmm. this is no. This is just about the the real story of how Tetris got made. 
And uh, so from the fact-checking, it's obviously obviously sensationalized version, but, like, some version of almost every bit of insanity in the movie actually happens, right? Which is that, like, the coder's from Russia, so technically, like, Russia owns the game, not this guy. Mm-hmm. So, like, to get any of the licensing rights, like, Mirrorsoft and, like, Bulletproof, who, like, right away, like... Sarah was like, I don't know who gets it, whatever. And I was like, yo, I stared at that screen a lot of time. This guy says he's Bulletproof Software. He's the winner because I've seen <laughs> Bulletproof Software th- like thousands of times booting up my Game Boy. <laughs> I got mm-hmm. an- and I always thought it was weird, right? Like Bulletproof Software I don't think makes any other game that I was familiar with except loading up that Tetris game on my Game Boy. Bulletproof Software right there, 1987 <laughs> or 89, whatever it is. But, yeah, so I was like, obviously. Wait, so that, that, mean, that means Soviet Union Tetris, not Russia Union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. But they're in, they go to Moscow. They're all of all of the all of the dealings of these of these software publishers sneaking in on like tourist visas to go talk to like Elorg, <laughs> like because because yeah, like he he the guy Alexei Pezhnetov or whatever the, the the dude basically made it for like for fun for shits. Mm-hmm. And then uh, because he, like, worked as a programmer, the obviously, like, the Russian government just automatically owned it. So then everything had to go through, like, the Russian government as – and, like, the twisted part about it is it's, like, as kind of it's falling apart. So, like, everything is happening sketchy and through bribery. And, like, the officials that are trying to sell Tetris are also just trying to put as much money in their own pockets as they kind of, like, the writing's already on the wall with, like, the USSR collapsing. So they were, like – bribe us and we'll give you the rights and there's like at one point obviously they're they're sitting there and the guy from bulletproof software is like goes over to nintendo and nintendo's like we're going to show you something and we signed like an nda like a thousand ways from sunday because like 10 people on the planet know this exists and they like they pull (laughs) they pull the sheet off the game boy and they were like what about handheld rights and they're like the fuck is handheld rights (laughs) like just as as a licensing agreement you're like Oh shit! We got to go back to Russia and get handheld rights because that's what they don't have, you know. Like huh. what it, what a computer is, uh, like all of the legalities that kind of go in. Like as a, they were like, oh no, we never sold console rights; we sold personal computer rights. So what is the definition of a personal computer? And they're like going mm-hmm. in and like dissecting it. And Russia has almost no way of validating what is going on outside with their thing because it's the USSR and like mm-hmm. they're like half the people they're dealing with are all shut off. Like, they don't know. So the guy who does Bulletproof Software, uh, he bought what he believed to be the one rights that Mirasoft didn't have, which were the Japanese rights. Because, like, Japanese video game rights were almost always negotiated exclusively. So, huh. like, your, your default at the time, it kind of makes sense, being, like, a weird video game market. Like, your default worldwide rights almost never include Japan for video games. Just okay. as a... They're almost always negotiated separately, I guess, because it's such a big market. Like, I think you, like, and I probably U.S. is probably similar to that now. So, yeah, anyway, the, the, they, they get into all this stuff. And when I was, like, poking around on Wikipedia, I think, like, you know, they add, like, car chases and, and, and spy movie shit and whatever. And that's that's maybe not as real. But, like, there is stuff, like, at one point, they, they when they get the paperwork done, the there's, a, like, the guy is, like, you're not safe until you get out of Moscow. Like, and they were, like, and apparently, like, him and the Nintendo guys, like, just, that is, act like, there's no car chase that happened, but they were, like, we got the paperwork and literally took the first flight out. Like, did not even to our destination. Yeah. Just, like, we were, like, what is the first flight out of 
out of Moscow, like outside of the USSR, so that they just like randomly flew to Poland or something just to just like, a GTFO. Yeah, yeah, because they were like there was certainly the a feeling of like not safe. I, I kind of remember reading about the movie that they they glitzed up every aspect of it. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, it's you're watching a two hour movie about software publication rights, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, they went like, to Russia. Just yeah. just imagine what the Wordle movie is going to be like. like <laughs> hey, guy. Yeah, what are your hosting fees like? Astronomical. We're the New York Times. Can we buy your game? Okay. Credits. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely sensationalized. But like every, like I said, like almost every bit of it had a grain of truth. You're like, this is more or less the 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 bullet points of how the story played out. But like you said, glitzed glitzed up. I think to make it a watchable movie. So sensationalized, but not like false. Like all the players are the same. The timelines are roughly the same. The Mirrorsoft kind of like fraud stuff was all accurate like so like dr- drummed up for fun but not like there was almost nothing i mean like i said outside of i think probably the insane car chase through moscow the <laughs> legit legit action sequence <laughs> that occurs like outside of that there was nothing that i looked up when i was like googling it afterwards that was like completely false Mm-hmm. You know, like talking to somebody who they thought was like a translator, but turned out to have KGB ties, like all that stuff happened just because you're like, you're Americans here coming into like negotiated sale, like you're absolutely going to be watched. And I think like more than the Americans thought, mm-hmm. like I think is like from from the, the true life stories that I looked up is they were like, yeah, we just kind of thought that it would be like we go in and we make an offer and that's it. And that's not how late 80s USSR functioned at all. Like, we had no real concept of, like, how pervasive the government was into all levels of operation and everything, and our, like, <clears throat> like the the movie basically presumes, like, all the, like, all the conversations are recorded on the phone and stuff like that, and, like, that's a little bit conjecture, but based on what other people know about the USSR, probably right. <laughs> you know, yeah, they like, should have spoken to Wayne Cashman. Wayne Cashman. Is that the hockey guy? That's the hockey guy who unscrewed all the light fixtures. Yeah. <laughs> when the Sorry? Uh, when the Canadians were playing uh, the, the Russia in the Summit Series or USSR in the Summit Series, Scott he ripped up it. he ripped up all his carpets in the Moscow hotel they were staying in, and uh-huh. he found this this little metal thing under his carpet, and he's like, "What? What is that?" And he he started fiddling with it and wrenching with it, and it was like stuck to the floor, and he couldn't get it off, so. It, he, he like jury rigged a, a monkey wrench out of some of his his gear, and then allegedly the giant chandelier in the lobby that his room was standing over just crashed <laughs> to the floor. <laughs> As he unbolted the support fixture to it. Uh huh. Because they were they were all extremely kind of rightly paranoid about being watched all the time and having yeah. you know liaisons and chaperones everywhere, but. Also yeah, being, like at, at the precipice of an international incident of hockey with the entire <laughs> diary of the USSR watching it and stuff. Yeah, being like the 22 most the hated guys. people in in Russia at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. yeah. yeah John, have so. you never seen Canada Russia 72? The, the two part movie? I have. Nope. God damn, that movie is so good. You dare call yourself a Canadian, sir. Do I? Yeah. It was a, I, it was a CBC I, TV movie and. 
It is goddamn riveting. <laughs> it's great. It's 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 amazing. I always I always plan to watch it over the holidays and kind of forget. But it's like it's it's it was like really good. It was off and on over the hol- over the Christmas break on CBC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have like a lot of memories of watching it as a as a kid. It played frequently. And it's it's just like so dramatized and it's hysterical and like, and mostly true. Is that mm-hmm. is that part of it? Yep. I mean, a lot of people wrote a lot about that that series. So and and like all the games and the controversies and stuff were were pretty well documented. Yeah, like the couple Canadians who did get in there getting roughed up by <clears throat> like USSR police and stuff actually yeah. happened. That was like fully documented. Like. All, all of the well, all the Dryden stuff is in Dryden's book. Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> there's a couple sources that it pulls from, but like again, it, it's I would say prob probably from memory more accurate than the Tetris movie. <laughs> Al- <laughs> Alan Eagleson getting arrested because the gold judge light didn't go off. Mm-hmm. He, he like climbed over the crowd to try to get him to turn the light on because he thought the goal wouldn't count because the light didn't go off. And he started <laughs> a, a riot in the stands. Amazing. <clears throat> the fans booing the Canadian team off the ice in Vancouver when they they got beat pretty badly, and uh, Phil Esposito giving that hound dog speech. And, and Bobby, that's Clark, good stuff. Bobby yeah, Clark yeah. assassinating a man. Bobby Clark just straight up <laughs> trying to. It's the look end on a man's hockey career. Who is it? <clears throat> the, the who's the other? Who's like the player who the look on his face? I will always remember that in the movie. <laughs> When uh, when coach tells Bobby to uh, to take out the other player, the guy next to him is like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like his eyes just go like wide, and and Clark does it like the next shift, and you're like, mm-hmm. like swings swings his stick like a like an like a a lumberjack chopping a tree at a guy's ankle, just the most the Clobbers most bla- the most blatant like I'm a I'm breaking your ankle here, this is what's Oof. happening, like these are old timey leather skates, right? Like yeah. Yeah, and 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 not and, and wooden sticks that are not like carbon fiber that might shatter, mm-hmm. still suck. Just but just right into his ankle, and like the, the actual play, if you watch it, is is grisly. But like obviously the you don't necessarily have all the the good footage of the bench and, and whatever else like that in yeah. reality. But, he, but yeah, yeah. But the actual swing you can watch the actual swing in that that footage On exists YouTube. and it's yeah. and it's gross. <laughs> like it's, it's there is there is no other occurrence other than like coach tells Bobby something, Bobby skates out, cripples a man. Oof. And 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 Bobby Clark was like a fucking shithead anyway, so Yeah, like dirt like the dirtiest player of the era, <clears throat> like in a big the, way. The dirtiest like... best player, yeah. Mm. <clears throat> All the French guys in the locker room hanging out together. That's also Part one of my favorites. <laughs> Part of our heritage. <laughs> That's right. I mean it literally is. It's one of those heritage moments. The summit yeah. series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Paul Fucking Henderson with a full-on concussion, just being like, "Yo, it's my turn, my turn." The coach looks at him like, "What? I didn't call you onto the ice." He just hops off the bench and waves someone off. It scores a goal. Scores this a goal. is we, we. I don't know if we ever talked about this on the show. I'm sure we must have at some point. We're 300 episodes in. Does Does Paul Henderson belong in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Did he have did he have a Hall of Fame career? He absolutely no. did not. But he scored the most famous goal on the planet. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that make him famous? Yeah. Uh, yeah, is yeah, Hall of Fame just about being famous? 
that's what it says. It says the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say the Hall of the Best Players. If it did, then I would say no. Paul Anderson does not. So every other player on the Canadian Summit Series team is in the Hall of Fame because they're they're all All Star players, arguably except Paul. Are Anderson. they? Is Cashman in the? Yeah, it's every single person. No, it can't be. I mean, I Cashman am... can't be in the Hall of Fame. That's crazy. He's like a. Check. Look it up, Scott. Are you looking you got it the up? Internet. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking it up. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I seem to remember reading that like for X Y Z reasons. Maybe did he go in as a builder or something? Like uh, he might have. He wasn't exact for stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, <clears throat> like, if he, if he got in as a builder, that'd be some lols. <laughs> but because he was also he was like a, a one of the big bad Bruins, right? Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so as far as I know, if 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 it's not just Henderson. Maybe it's Henderson and Cashman. But either way, not a great player by any stretch if you look at his entire career. But scored, like, the most famous the goal, goal in the sport. Like, so if you're saying Hall of Fame, right? Like, you know, I don't know. It, it's – I feel, are, do people make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like, one-hit wonder bands if, like, the song was really good? Are they must? Like, that's what Man, any, Anyone makes the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That, that's that's crazy. Tall. <laughs> Jethro Tull's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with arguably like zero hits. That's not true. Jethro I'm not, I'm not saying zero it. jams. I'm saying hits. Like hit hit songs. Yeah, dude. People were Aqualung, people fucking love that tune. Hey, Aqualung. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I'm just saying I I feel that if you make this is the hockey hall of fame, the guy that scored the most famous goal in the entire game ends up being in there even if it's just on that one goal not on his career or whatever but like who like i couldn't name the entire roster but i can name paul henderson because of that goal that's like the like the definition of fame so uh, the first few names i didn't recognize on the roster already are not in the hall of fame so gary bergman's not in the hall of fame um maybe it's everybody else who was on the ice maybe it's everyone on the ice that makes sense yeah, 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 it might be every, um, every it might be everybody on the ice for that goal is in the Hall of Fame except for the guy that scored it. Ron Ellis isn't in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, like if you asked me like who's on the team, I wouldn't be able to call Ron Ellis. <laughs> I'd just be like, I don't know that guy. Uh, let's see. So yeah, non nonpartisan opinion, John. Do you think that guy goes in the Hall of Fame? I don't, I don't know enough about this. <laughs> I, I feel like I need to watch that movie and then uh, and then weigh in. I have not like followed this. What what the summit series you, you is say, and was? I mean, Vic, I, know it, I know what it is and was, but when you say like the goal, it, I don't immediately know what that is. If there's a goal that everyone remembers, it was back in old '72. We all squeezed the stick. We all pulled the trigger. Like that's, that's right. The tra- yeah, we're, tragically we're, hip have a we're song. We're quoting the tragically hip the at this point, guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's lots of players on that team that are not in the Hall of Fame. Okay, so yeah, it might be it might be everyone that's on the ice except for him because like I said, there was there was something weird of like that that's every- like wholly possible. Yeah, for sure it is. Like it's it's the final seconds of the game. You're putting out your hero line, and then Paul Anderson with and Paul Anderson like pops put off. me in, guys. He doesn't. He just like hey, you're off, and waves off one of the other players. She's like okay, and the coach is like what. What? <laughs> What's happening? But then he goes in and scores. Yep. And he goes and he, in and scores. And he arguably does not remember it. <laughs> doesn't because? remember calling for the change. Doesn't really remember scoring. And he's like, maybe because it was all the adrenaline. Or also because you were recently concussed. 
Esposito, Cornier, Mahovlich. They were on the ice? They're all <clears> they were on the ice. <laughs> Mahovlich hopped off when Henderson just waved at him, saying, like, you're off. And Mahovlich was like, oh, okay. And the coach was like, what are you doing on the bench? <laughs> He's like, I don't know, man. Paul asked for the change. Espo <laughs> uh, shot. Espo also refused to change. He was waved off, and he was like, absolutely not. He pulled a Kovalev? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess Kovalev pulled an Esposito. <clears throat> well, I mean, the coach left Kovalev on the ice. Which is no, because remember, do, you remember, do you don't remember the overtime winner or whatever else like that, where he was like, uh, he was like, yeah, coach called for the change, and I like, and I didn't hear him, so I, like, I scored, and he was like, I guess I made the right decision. And you're like, wait, you said you didn't hear him, but then you said you made the decision to not hear him. <laughs> like, it was like it was like a weird, like kind of broken, like Russian accent quote to be like, yeah, apparently coach was calling me for the change and I didn't hear him. I guess I made the right decision. And you're like, but wait, but if you made a decision. Mm. Oh, no, I like I like the Mike Keenan when he was in New York. Where that one. So he, he stayed on a little extra longer for a shift and Mike Keenan being Mike Keenan an asshole hockey coach was like oh yeah you don't want to come off when I wave you off stay out there then and he left him out there for like five straight minutes skate forever Oof. just skate Kovale- forever and Kovalev and did not like, understand this is so great <laughs> he did not understand that this was a punishment he thought the coach was like yeah go win the game for us and then okay. he scored the g- and then he scored <laughs> he's like boy coach sure is putting a lot of confidence in me I must deserve like, this Keenan was just fuming, benched him the rest of the game. And Kovalev's completely confused. He's like, why? What What happened? You told me to stay on the ice. I did. I scored. What's going on? I stayed on for five minutes. Like, when when hockey shifts are under a minute, like, a minute is a long hockey shift. Yeah. I just left him out there for a quarter of the period. It's amazing. Completely gassed, and he's just having the time of his life. Uh Anyways, yeah, so Tetris movie worthwhile, and also, I mean, I don't know, I find kill screens are always always fun when someone hits them, especially something like this where it was thought that there was a limit and then a weird little clutch, clutching the controller in an insane fashion, like, broke the human limit. Not because hold on, of, like, hold on. This is a wonderful story. Every fucking buddy has played Tetris. 100%. It's a 13-year-old who, who's, like, mastered some new technique, and he's gone down in history. It's a wonderful story. I love it. That's what I'm saying. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I was 2024, delivering already. Yep. And, and that's the thing, too, right? Is like, I mean, then you're, like, watching the movie also. Like, it's Tetris, man. Like, you know, like... <laughs> like that's I, the other I, thing. You can You can watch someone play Tetris at those super high levels. <clears throat> and not be like a huge game geek and understand what he's doing is incredible. For sure. For yeah, sure. yeah. Right? Like you I could show that to my mom who would be like, Wow. Well they that that that's like a line in the movie that I'm sure some the guy from Bulletproof Software says he actually said <laughs> but I, I don't know if it's actual dialogue or whatever. But like when he's talking to Nintendo, he's like, if you want to sell the Nintendo like the Game Boy to like kids, you package it with Super Mario World. If you want to sell it to everybody, you package it with Tetris. Because kids are going to ask for Super Mario World one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Like, but everybody is going to play Tetris. Because like, they already had like the market research of like everybody was playing Tetris in Russia. Mm-hmm. Which was like, it's not a kid's game. <laughs> you know, it's a, you have five minutes and a computer. You have five minutes to kill. You play Tetris. Regardless. And that was totally true. Those brick Nintendos all moved on the, the brick Game Boys all moved on, the, on Tetris. 
Yeah, yeah. They, well, they, yeah. they they packaged with Tetris and yeah. and for sure. And like I as a as a proud owner of of the Game Boy, even after I had a lot of games, like Tetris still got play. Like no for matter sure. no matter what. Like I had other games, and I was like, well, all right. My parents were like, we're ten minutes from. Uh, Uncle Eric and whatever's place. So okay, I'll pop in Tetris because I don't want to get into a whole game, but I can play Tetris for ten minutes, and that's a it's ten minutes well spent. Yeah. Do you remember how the, that that green screen bastard would eat double A's? Like mm-hmm. the, the first the first edition of that thing, it was like six hours or four hours, and it would go through four double A's. Yep. Yeah. That was what they yeah they he talked they talked about it too. They're like, why isn't it in color? And they were like, you need twice as many batteries. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, such a tiny little screen. I also, also that was a, a, good, a valid point that when I started to have, like, when the battery started to go dim, I would usually swap the cart for Tetris because uh, if that, like, died. Longer. Well, not just that, but if it died, I'd be, I wouldn't be like, God damn it. Like, if I was, right. like, in the middle of, like, Wario's castle or something and a battery died, I'll get, I'll get pissed off. If I die on a Tetris run, I always thought I was pretty good. Also, I don't remember like B type. B type is where you can start at nine five, like whatever it is, because you know, like there's the different types. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's the one way to like to start at like a, almost a full screen of gibberish and at close to full speed. Mm-hmm. There's like there's like a starting mode, like a way to do that, and I could like I could start at that and like routinely routinely beat nine five. Yep. So I never did. Yeah, yeah. I always my my Game Boy experience was Final Fantasy Legends, Legends Two, Adventure. Um, there were so many good little dorky RPGs yeah, those, on that thing. Yeah, they're all they're and they're all basically Final Fantasy One, right? Like it's like you just set your like your character class, whatever. I don't remember them having really like like you're you're just like the four light warriors and like in all of them, you don't really have like characters. What oh, I recall, not at all. They they had they put like experimental non Final Fantasy games and then just titled them Final Fantasy whatever to see how. They I remember would one set. of them had like a proto job system. And I feel yeah, like that, that one was, didn't that have was Legends. characters. Legends one, you could start off as like a fighter or a mage, and then you had a monster class that could eat the corpses of other monsters yeah. and upgrade themselves. I love that thing. And Legends 2, those games were really long and really hard. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Final Fantasy Adventure was much more of a, like, Link-style game, yeah. but, like, with a lot more RPG kind of elements. Yeah, I, 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 play, I definitely played played those RPGs, like, uh, or at least Legend 1, because I remember, the, I remember the, the monster, like, the Beastmaster monster, and then, like, you can get those monsters into your thing, and some of them are dope. And Do you remember what they're hard to heal? Right? Is it like monsters don't heal properly, or they can't be phoenix down? Maybe they, no, no, no. They don't. They don't gain XPs. The oh, only right. way they level up is by is by eating the corpses of higher level monsters. And then and then you you like you love your one type of monster, and then whoops, he turned into some like a jelly that doesn't do crap because he he ate yeah. the wrong meat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. I recall that all the okay, time. Okay. Okay. Do you remember the first Mario Brothers on there? That was like super obviously not a Mario game. It was some random ass side scroller that they just like put a yeah. Mario. The origin thing of on. Princess Daisy. It was so terrible. Yeah. Although I don't know, I like the the little super ball, like it's kind of like a the the fireball was a super ball and like it, it had more bounce. Oh yeah, it, it bounced like, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and you could kind of like, you could kind of get it to like angle up and like go, take corners if you were like really clever. You could sort of like jump and bounce it off the wall. Jet and levels. Yeah. Huh? Mario doesn't have a jet. What the fuck is this? Your <laughs> levels where he flies around on a jet shooting things. Yeah, I mean to yeah. be fair, NES and Game Boy games were, were weird. Mm-hmm. They were just wild. Like well, a boy was... in his blob. That game was crazy. 
was, that was, you and a blob and you fed it jelly beans. I'm like, why? That's the game. <laughs> I did, but like, why? Guys, why were these guys not making more Blades of Steel or race car games? Like, anything why were they, could be a game. Anything yeah. could be a game back then. You say that like it's a bad thing, but it was no, no, it's just, it was so creative. But like, where did those guys go? Yeah. The guys who would just be like two guys and they'd make a video game. Like, wh- I understand that, that, you know, full 3D rendered stuff takes, takes a team and lots and lots of money. But those guys that would make a boy in his blob or fucking double bubble or, or bubble bubble. Like, bubble bubble is a crazy game. It's two dinosaurs. It's spit bubbles everywhere. Like, and they collect why? fruit. Lots yeah. of fruit. Why? I mean, like a... I, I get it. Okay, so those games would take six months to make, and yeah, you know, like that still takes a budget, and they knew they could make enough money to cover the budget for it. It's like it's like mid-range movies, you know, in the like the ten million dollar mm-hmm. range. We don't see so many of those anymore because people want to make either the smash hit for fifty thousand dollars Blumhouse style, or they want to make the mega mega budget thing. But like the mid-range has vanished. And I think it's the same thing with video games. It's all big title stuff or hyper indie one guy. And, so, yeah. the Mario. So d- d- I did some research here. Super Mario Land was always a Mario game. It was developed as a Mario game, but it wasn't developed by Shigeru Miyamoto. But the thing okay. that's crazy about it, though, is that it is the third Mario game, like side-scrolling Mario game, that came out. There's Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers Two, and then Super Mario Land. It come. It came out a year before three. So I think really? that at that at that point when the when like the standard is just Super Mario and Super Mario Two, you're like, well, all bets are off. Mario's anything because you're only comparing one and two, and two is bonkers. Wait, mm-hmm. hold on. You mean Doki Doki Panic? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like Do- Doki Doki Panic, which is a complete reskin. Yeah. Right. Like, which is that that is not a Mario game. Like, so technically this is. But I'm just saying. But if you're like, you so get this the is assi- maybe the second one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, but you get yeah. you get the assignment of like make a Mario game, and you're looking at Mario One and Mario Two. You're like, okay, I can kind of do anything. Like, it's just sort of like Super Mario Land is set in Sarasara Land. So, like, not even, not not anything. It's like a new environment depicted in line art. And Mario pursues the debuting Princess Daisy. The game also features two Gradius-style shooter levels. (laughs) Because Mario can be anything. Like, so, yeah. Like, and I think because that's, I feel that so much of the franchise gets defined at Mario 3. Right? Like, Mario 3 comes out, and it's, like, overworld map, Bowser 100%, like, the little castles, all that stuff. And then Mario 3 gets followed up immediately with Super Mario World, which is, like, just jacked up Mario 3. Even even Nintendo. identifying his power-ups kind of as costumes. Yeah. Like, that was Mario 3, where it's, like, you're putting on a play, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like, the whole, like, yeah. the, the curtain rises on Mario 3, and you have different little yeah. costumes and stuff. And you now, like, and they've had, which they've had variants of in, like, a million... A yeah. million zillion yeah. other things. So yeah, so it's not that it wasn't a Mario game. I just don't think that huh. like Mario games were not a defined thing. And like I said, and it wasn't Miyamoto. So like they they they're like, hey, other guy, make a yeah. Mario game. And he's like, what's a Mario game? <laughs> Whatever the fuck you want. Yep. But hey, yeah. that kind of carries on forever, right? Like <clears throat> the best-selling race car game of all time is Mario Kart. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. why. Why is that a Mario Kart thing? Like, there's no reason for it that it needed to have the Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, they just just slapped I mean, Mario Tennis. Branding, in. branding to sell a little kart game. Yeah, I saw that webcomic. Sure. Was a, a couple, then, couple weeks ago. Then it ago. goes goes flying into Super Smash Brothers. You're just like, oh, okay. I guess this is a Mario game too. 
and then into Mario Party. And tennis. <laughs> and golf. It was just like there's a there's like one of those web comics or whatever you see like Bowser's just sort of like I'm gonna kidnap Princess Peach and burn this like Mushroom Kingdom to the ground. Hey, you want to play tennis this weekend? Lol, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like you're like right. what? <laughs> you think you think Mario Kart was Miyamoto seeing the sales of F Zero and being like, "Fuck you, I could do better than that." But which one's first? F Zero was they, definitely first, but they both had to be was... kind of developed concurrently because they come out real close. Because they both needed that 3D map. Yeah, the uh, what was it called? Hold on, hold on, I'm gonna remember. Mode Seven. Mode Seven. Let's look at F Zero. F Zero release game mm-hmm. came out in Famicom 1990. Yeah, that's way before Mario Kart. It was. It was. I kind of remember that as being almost a launch title. God damn, F Zero is good. I yeah, love that game. It still plays great. And Mario little, Kart was ninety two. It's showing its it's showing its edges. Yeah, Mario Kart yeah, ninety two. It's rough, 90. but <clears throat> it's rough. But if it it, it sounds good, yeah, it's still it, not the worst. Almost, like I have the I have the little Super. It looks Nintendo like retro menu. game, right? Yeah, yeah. All all the Super Nintendo shit ages so well because sixteen bit graphics look good. Like, well, they look like sixteen bit graphics, like. I yeah, feel like the games game. were designed around the machine, too. Like, there was not a lot of, like, we just kind of smashed this together, like a lot of the 8-bit Nintendo. There was a lot of, like, this This is going to play well. This is going to... Like, the design knew what the limitations were. and Well, I also think that it, it's did it. the Super Nintendo and, to a certain extent, the Genesis, like, benefited from the nes and the master system like just teaching developers how to like develop for consoles where they were like you get you're building in a set box it's not like a computer it's not like a whatever you have all of the like the learning element of here are your specs and you design within these specs which is was never the case on like normal computer game development right so Hmm. i feel that like i'm sure like like but you're saying because you look at like capcom games like the jump not the jump but like they're good on the NES and then they're super cool looking on the Super Nintendo. Konami's the same deal. Like mm-hmm. it's I think they, they all had so many like lessons learned over a decade of developing on the NES that then when then when they got a more powerful NES, they could They like, were like ready to take advantage of it. Whereas when they got to the three D era they had to kind of relearn everything and often did not. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. didn't didn't have the same lessons to yeah, I, I would love to do a really like, good comparison study of and like interviews with the developers, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's way easier to find like a bad N sixty four game than it is a bad Super Nintendo game. That's because the N sixty four was a piece of shit, and like three quarters of the games are unplayable trash. Yeah, if if it's not de- if if it's not developed by Nintendo, it's probably yeah. bad. Like a rare, I guess rare is the exception, but they're basically secret Nintendo, right? They're like a second party because they were developing exclusively for Nintendo. There's a YouTube channel where they do speed runs for charity. Um, and they one of the segments that they do where they do speed runs for charity is they, they get speedrunners who only play crap games. And there's a speed run of the Superman 64 game. Oh, I was going to say, that's <laughs> Superman game. It is so fucking funny. Why is he flying through rings? What the fuck is going on? Because Pilot Wings was cool. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Wait. That one, actually, oh, we're not just going to continue the conversation. No, we are, we are. Superman 64 guys. Yeah, yeah. If like, you want to, just kept going and no, no, no. But I was saying, I'm I'm playing uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is a modern video game. Uh, but uh-huh. you can go yeah. into old school arcades and play old school Sega games. 
<laughs> like uh, like Space Harrier and uh, like Outrun and stuff. And like Space Harrier and Outrun are infinitely more playable than Virtua Fighter Two. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, like playing playing old like sixteen bit era Sega arcade games versus uh-huh. Virtua Fighter Two, which I was like, oh god, this is some complete blocky dog shit, like janky, clumsy, whatever. Yep. I, I had the Sega Master System port of Space Harrier, and I played the hell out of that game. It was it was terrible, but oh my I god, it's that terrible. So much I like Space Harrier. It was fun as hell. I, like I had even the 3D glasses. You have the 3D glasses for the Sega Master oh, System? Oh, those things were had migraine <laughs> machines. <laughs> migraine machines. They had the little clicky thing over one of your eyes. They were the, the worst. Total immersion. The worst. <laughs> Mom, why do I see so bad? <laughs> uh, did anyone watch the, the Scott Pilgrim Netflix show yet? No. 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 <sighs> okay, I'm, I'm spoiling a non-story element because you... Or you're asleep on it, but at one point they in like a in like a, a flash forward future thing when they do virtual reality, it's just a big virtual boy and everything is black and red. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. deep deep cut. I was like, yes. If you know, you know. Exactly. Yeah, this is. I played one of those in a in um, a Toys R Us, and I was like, we have to get this, mom. And she was like, it's a hundred and twenty dollars, and that was it. And and like not portable. <laughs> You needed a special table to like and be like leaning towards it. It it was super cool. I and apparently as dog shit as almost every game on it, there is a. I mean, they must have ported it to something at some point. the The Wario Land game or whatever is apparently like a completely competent, good Wario style side scroller. Like, Hmm. which is you know, was it Miyamoto? uh, I don't know. I don't. Was Miyamoto ever Wario? He must have. I mean, he. I don't know. I have no clue. I wonder. I feel like you know it's it's the kind of thing where he's like, "It's a new thing. I'm going to pour my heart and soul into it," and then and then and then it's the Virtual Boy. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> exactly. And you're like, all the work you could put into that, it won't save the game. It's still going to be unplayable mess. Yeah. Well, and apparently, like I said, from what from what I recall reading in my video game magazines at the time, they're like, mm-hmm. it's it's absolutely do not buy a Virtual Boy. This game is cool, <laughs> but like. But even playing it is like, yeah, just the hours of like it's it's a several hour long side scroller that you're now sitting at a table leaning forward into this big red goggle thing, like holding a little controller, like squinting, and it's like kind of taking place on like a little screen in the distance, far away, that's sort yeah. of three D. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like, but yeah, I remember yeah. Like, I remember playing that in Toys R Us, and I thought it was super cool that you could like jump. There was like for, like a foreground and a background. And you could like jump forward and backwards, and there's kind of a 3D effect, like in it. It was neat. It was cool. Like, you know what? You can never say Nintendo doesn't try new things. No, like, yes, they do. Big, big. Any, anything to sell a little bit of hardware, right? Yeah. Like the 64. It had five games. It was around for four years, <laughs> maybe a little. And longer. even the 60. Like, but if you look at the 64, they're just sort of like, oh, we have this weird dumb controller, and they're like, hey, did you learn your lesson? They're like, no, nah, man, we have a GameCube. Look, here's another weird dumb controller. <laughs> Like wow, you guys are really into weirdo controllers. They're like, boy, are we? <laughs> like, what do you see? What we got next? Like, what? What do you got next? Oh, it's the Wii. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's a little. The... It's a stick that you shake around. <laughs> it's like third highest selling console of all time. <laughs> Who thought? After like multiple failures. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, uh, uh-huh. to darker times. Oh. Scott and I watch Rebel Moon. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> this is this is the um um 
the Star Wars ripoff by uh, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. Yes. What? Watch the pitch meeting on it first of all, if you have not yet. Okay. I haven't yet. But... It, it's Ooh. great. Where he was just sort of like, he's like, hey, do you know how there's like movies have a couple of really good scenes, and like there's like some some of your favorite scenes. Just imagine like we just have those favorite scenes stitched together by barely a plot. <laughs> like, do you remember the Buckbeak scene with Ben Harry Potter? We have that scene. Mm-hmm. Like, remember this scene in like uh, in Lord of the Rings? We have that scene too. <laughs> Like, they are. They're just, it's God. broadly speaking, Star Wars, but then even other scenes from other movies are just ripped off. Like, John, did you ever watch. Competently? No. Did you ever watch um, X Men Days of the Future Past? Where Wolverine uh, goes yeah. back in time. And he's, they've got that, like, moment of we've got to get the band together. Uh-huh. Now, imagine they did that with characters you know nothing about and care not about at all. And then and also that is like. And also, it's not a montage. It's the whole movie. And that's, that's like <laughs> 70% of the whole movie is we got to get the band back together. And you don't know why. And you don't know who these people are. And you don't know how they're going to help. And they're not even all. a band. The characters don't know each other either. They're like, tell me about this guy. And they're like, I don't know. He could maybe help. And they're like, okay, let's go to this planet and get this let's guy. Let's fly across help. the galaxy. So, yes, the entire it, – it is – remember, it is it is part – it is part one, volume one, part one. I don't know, whatever, however, friggin' Snyder. It is the first movie in a six movie project. Yeah, but, it's, but it's a trilogy. It's, it's it's a trilogy where each part of the trilogy is broken up into two parts. Because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> I, I don't hate it out the gate. I, I think I think there's a lot of space for people to do like space opera adventure and all of that has been absorbed into star wars and star wars's scope is so small and i say that without having watched any of the modern stuff so maybe i would i would but... genuinely like this movie if the pretension was just not there if it was just like hey we're having fun space cowboys and what because i mean like like for for everything that you can say about Zack snyder which is quite a bit the, the, he, he can make action sequences that look real cool like yeah. like everybody yeah. like shits on him for the slow mo and all that stuff, but I'm like, yeah, but not everybody does it as that cool. Like okay, but, like that that, no, that first scene in the oh, in no. the in the in the farm there where Cora takes out all those people, it looks cool. Is it stupid? Yeah, is like is everything around it dumb? But I'm like, for those thirty seconds, I'm like, this is a cool as hell fight scene. I don't care about just, it. But oh it looks my God. cool. Here's 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 a spoiler thing that it just drove me nuts. The the main bad guy is kind of like um, what's his name from Inglorious Bastards? Oh yeah, it's like that, a total that's a, hey, do you remember that scene from Inglorious Bastards? Like, Bastards. Yeah, we're like, we do that scene too, <laughs> <laughs> right? He just kind of comes in and, and, and menaces the the poor farmers. Yeah, like like the like the opening scene is him coming up and and talking like he's maybe going to be friends with the farmers, and then he's Hans, not actually Hans Landa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's really just doing the uh, the Christoph Waltz impersonation of like you know he's the most sinister motherfucker, but he's acting nice. And it's not right. going to be a reveal when he kills somebody. It's, but he's also supposed to he's be the Darth Vader. Exactly. He shows up dressed up in straight up Nazi regalia. They don't even like, they don't even hide it. The bad guys just look like Nazis. And his weapon of choice is a big stick. Yes. He has a stick. A special in stick. In Star Wars movie. It's, a, it's his fancy stick and it's his favorite stick, but it is a wooden stick. And we know it's a stick because later on in the movie it just snaps in half. <laughs> it's not made of like special like unobtainium or whatever the hell it snaps right in half okay hold on but is he taking the piss out of it all like what if it's like a gigantic elaborate satire well the joke's on us then (laughs) 
because we watched it and went, oh, this is bad. And he, he can giggle about that all he wants, but still, us in the living room. But now I've got to watch, now I'm going to have to watch the R-rated cut that comes out in a month or two or whatever, where, you know, there's more blood and, and, and an extra hour. A sharper stick. Sharper stick. <laughs> the robot. <laughs> okay, so you're saying, you guys are, are collectively saying it's bad? It's, it's Jimmy, again, Jimmy it's, the robot is a, is a mindless, meaningless piece of furniture in that movie. But then he has antler horns at the end. <laughs> why? Those antler horns. Gotta watch the Snyder Cut to find not, out why he has antler horns. Not where did he get them. Why did he get them? He just he shoots a guy and wanders away. <laughs> and then he's not in the, the, the next two hours of film. And then he's there at the end wearing antlers. <laughs> you're, you're laughing. This sounds funny and good. I know. And that's what I'm uh, saying. Then, if, then John, watch it. Give, give it a shot. I'm going to. Here's I'm the give thing. It a shot. Is that it's, like, it. it's not... Like he needs to go back to. It's not. It's not a grind. It's it's, it's but but it's so close. Like I was like in in many ways the, the fault of Rebel Moon is that he doesn't go hard enough. Like there's still like like generic epic fantasy mu- mu- like fantasy whatever music score is the worst thing. I was like you know what I was like you know this lesson from three hundred. Throw guitars in. Did they make no sense? They don't make sense. You're watching 300, but like the you're like yes, like yeah, yeah. Like if if this movie had screaming guitars and some of its like insane, stupid action nonsense, like that's what I'm saying is like he doesn't go hard enough. Like lean into the fact that you're making like bonkers, ball to the wall space opera and having fun with it, and you'd be like, you'd be Robert Rodriguez in space, buddy. Like there's room for that, oh, and he's, but he's if, not if he doing threw, that. If he threw Welcome to the Jungle in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we, I, I guess people then would probably we learned, like. We learned that in Star Trek from J.J. Abrams. The movies don't need to be good. <laughs> if every now and then you throw the Beastie Boys, in, you're like, okay. I don't know why, but I'm pumped up for that scene. Did you know that they uh, gave special permission for that? Yeah, <laughs> because I'm they, sure lo- they because did. they love Star Trek, and I was like, they rap about Star Trek pretty often. A lot. <laughs> Like, so it, like when they were like, "Hey, do you want a Beastie Boys song to be in Star Trek?" They were like, "Hell's yes." There was like, because they they usually have a had a pretty stringent like on what they what they released and whatever, and they they fought to yeah. hold on to a lot of it. But they were like, "Yeah, Star Trek is not is not a thing we're going to say no to." Listen to our music. How much hip hop has Star Trek reference? Us. That's awesome. A yeah. lot of it. But yeah, that's it. Or I mean, I mean, also yeah, we saw it in Star Trek. But I was going to say we saw it in Guardians. Needle drops and guardians mm-hmm. were just always fun. Like you, you know this lesson. Your your Netflix is giving you a hundred million dollars or whatever. Spend a couple million dollars on a few recognizable needle drops, or just pay a generic like metal band. John Williams lookalike or whatever. Yeah, because the music is the music is so dull and generic. Mm. Like which is again, like I said, if he if he was having more fun with this same movie, I I think it's, it's it would be he's better. So fu- far up his own ass he i don't think it's satire i think he thought he was going to make the star wars that everyone who hated the last three movies were waiting for Hmm. i I firmly believe that's what he was doing he was like oh did you hate the force awakens well get ready because i've got the answer do you think do you think that would be rude if you had an interview with him and you were like okay okay zach you got to let it out is this a satire (laughs) 
<laughs> you just just see what he see the because he'll break he'll break just a little. There's no one who couldn't. Or if or or if you're just you like know? if you introduce it to be like you know just like not has there been such a like like an, an on the nose like parody since Spaceballs. And you open it like that. <laughs> not since Spaceballs has there been a parody taking the piss out of the like the Star Wars <laughs> bullshit. And you talk him up for so long. Let's see what he does. I feel he gets super angry. Acclaimed filmmaker Mel Brooks. Are those big shoes to fill? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, it it is watchable. <clears throat> it, at at no point does it drag. It it it's yeah. two hours. It doesn't feel like a slog it, it's, it's everything. not it's not painful to watch it's just star wars seven eight no nine 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 was like action balls to the wall and a fucking slog yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. it is it is better than than the ninth one i would okay. i would 100 percent agree it's it's more yeah. engaging and more fun than the ninth star wars movie <laughs> like yeah. it, it is, pissed me off last too <laughs> it is it is ultra dumb and ultra derivative <laughs> like and and not just derivative of Star Wars, like we said, rips off Inglorious Bastards, rips off like uh, Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, for it's no just, reason. For no reason. For no reason. There's no payoff to that scene. There's no. These, there's no payoff that that guy's a Beastmaster. <laughs> is, that, is that a thing? Or Beastmaster is a thing? Yeah, they, and, like, and they introduce, and they're like, "Hey, there's a special guy, and he's a Beastmaster." And they're like, "Hey, if you can like tame this weird hippogriff, you get like your freedom because he's like trapped in slavery or whatever." So they do it, and he joins the crew, and then you're like, "Yo, I bet you there's going to be like a beast to tame or something." No, I mean, like, I'm sure there will be later, like in the series. Also, also the guy that has him as an indentured servant, I don't. He's not a particularly bad guy. Yeah. The guy is who's who's like chained up working for him was like, oh yeah, I owe him a lot of money. Yeah. I am I am working off my debt. I am severely indebted to this man. And then they're like, kill him. And he, dies. Yeah. he dies horribly. <laughs> but like exactly like this guy, this guy like ended up landing himself in in slavery because he owes the guy money. Uh-huh. Right, so it's not uh, like it, it, it's this guy's not portrayed uh, as a an villain. amount of money, an amount of money that is so large that when they say whatever three hundred thousand space credits, everyone else in the scene goes, "Oh, it's like you don't know how much that is," but everyone else is like, "That is a lot." So you're like, "Okay, I guess, I guess he really fucked up to get in that much debt." Yeah, it's not like it's not like he like captured him and put him into slavery. It was like, no, this guy owes me a trillion dollars, so now he's my space slave. Like, it, it didn't seem He's... to be like he captured him or had any evil intention. Whatever. Same thing with this weird hippogriff thing. He just bought it. Like, it's not like he, like, captured it or whatever. It's like... If like, you what? help me tame my wild Mustang, I, I, that I can take to the races. That'll be worth the trillion dollars. And everyone agrees to this. And he does. And then the Beastmaster lets the, the guy get killed. After he fully lives up to his part of the bargain, he doesn't, like, back down or try to weasel out of it. And he's like, oh... Well, He's like, okay, thanks. Yeah, I guess you won your freedom. Have a good one. And then the hippogriff kills the guy, and, and you're supposed to feel good about that. <laughs> this sounds hilarious. It, it is. Like I said, if it's just if it was amped up a little more, it's like, it's like what if you gave like a, a sci-fi channel movie 180 million dollars? Mm. Yep. It's like I, what I, if what if Atlantic Rim had 180 million dollars? What if what if Robot Jocks was made with? <laughs> You know, a quarter billion dollars. But like, what if it was made a court with a quarter of a billion dollars? That's the kind of movie you end up Mm -hmm. with. And like I said, I think its biggest its biggest prime is that it's not having enough fun. Like it 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 and it flirts with it. 
This is this is the guy who made Superman, uh, Man of Steel, right? He knows all about not having fun. Yeah, exactly. But 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 he also made Three Hundred, you know, which was all kinds of fun. Like Three Hundred is is fun, start to finish. Oh, but does he know it's fun? Does I he know don't it's think fun? he. Knew I don't know it's if fun. he did. For Again, I, I think, think we I think we talked about this last week. I think Watchmen ruined him. I think he was having fun making movies, and then he made the Watchmen, and he was like, "I'm now as serious as Alan Moore." <laughs> And that was his undoing. <laughs> yeah, but also he kind of just like Alan Moore, like he keeps putting out Lost Girls garbage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can't wait for like the third act of Rebel of Rebel Snyder. That's right. His name is Rebel Snyder. <laughs> the third act of Zack Snyder's career where it's just hardcore pornography directed by Zack Snyder. <laughs> And all, I, and all the Snyder fanboys are like, you got to watch it, man. The artistry. Uh, and the, and the, the Snyder cut cash-in is the, is the stupidest. He had full creative control. Why does he need his own director's cut? Because it's a satire. It's got to be. Well, and apparently it's just, it's just so that he can have blood. Really? <laughs> yeah, he was but just it, like... Because they, they were like... And, and, they, and they told him it could be... So the, the thing was, they were like, film the movie you want, and then give us a PG cut of it. So it's like a reverse Snyder cut. Like, this is the Netflix cut, mm-hmm. ultimately. But they still paid for the Snyder cut, but they were like, we want a PG cut of it. So he, like, recuts the movie as PG, and then releases the version they paid him to make later on. It's Which is, like... I mean, it's pretty on brand for him. I mean, on, on brand for him. It's on. also on brand for Netflix because all they care about is, yeah. is hours watched, right? So they're like, yeah. "Hey, wait, we can pay for one movie and get two? Hello, that's 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 doubling our investment to hours streamed on our service, which is the goal just, here." Just think about how much of that money could have been used to make more Cowboy Bebop episodes, Keith. Yeah, I know it's upsetting. I was like, and that that I that was a real thing, which I was like, ugh. I can't have fun with this because this is Cowboy Bebop money. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, the show is too expensive. We've got to cancel it. What? what? You okayed the budget for the first few episodes? Could have not paid We're going to give Zack Snyder a billion dollars to make six <sighs> movies. Get out of here. Just need a couple million for my Bebops. Anyway, I would... Uh, I don't know. Do you want to rank of, it or do you want to wait till John watches it? I want to wait till John watches it. I got to do it. I got to do it after all of this buildup. Also, if there's like another five coming out and I can I can try and piss off the mouse as much as possible I mean, ar- watching all of these. Arguably, there's another ten coming Wars. out, right? If they're all going to have Snyder cuts. Oh, so much <laughs> Snyder. <laughs> That's it. Is Are they going to do that trick every one? I feel like they're if going works, to. If people watch it and talk, so there's going to be six movies, but there will be twelve movies, right? There'll be six, God six Netflix it. cuts, and they'll the be like the Lord of the Rings. You have the ultra fans who watch the like four hour cuts of the Lord of the Rings all in a row. Oh, so <laughs> and yes, appa- apparently the big difference is uh, they the the what I've heard is there's more blood and gore, so like it's just like they up the violence because you know that's cool and edgy. This seeing blood I, and people get cut I, I hope it's the opposite i hope the snyder cut is just like an hour and a half more farming well apparently it leans into what's his name what's his name? atticus noble the bad guy atticus noble <laughs> it leads into like atticus noble's relationship with his tentacles more because of course it does wait god 
That's yeah, right. There's tentacles. Okay. And there's okay. going to be, and guess what? Snyder Cut promises more of that. More tentacles. <laughs> yeah. See, only... you say that after I joked about him becoming more like Alan Moore in the later career. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously the big, the big difference we've already hinted at is there's like a lot more Jimmy. The robot. The robot who, is in, who disappears after the first act and then has antlers in the end. There's you know, like, you know what, his, his story arc is, you know, in the Snyder Cut because it's not that, in the actual movie. That movie would be a lot better if it was Jimmy the Robot from the Aquabots. <laughs> I, take, I take that. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, you gotta gotta watch it, John. All right, all right. Uh, we're, we're coming up on the hour. Is there any, any other main main episode talk? Yeah, we got to talk about the the murder. The murder at the end of the world. Oh yeah, Scott finally finished the murder at the end of the world. Ooh, yep. <laughs> I whew. so listener, go back to episode I want to say like two ninety eight, and Scott says, "Boy, it better not be the AI that's the murderer." Yep. <laughs> the AI butler. The AI butler is the murderer. He's... Oh God, so stupid. And I, I read, like, I wanted to read an article, and I found I found this article where it was defending the ending. And I'm like, okay, let's see what this is. And the idea was it's m- playing itself up to all of the fans of the show who are breaking it down on Reddit, trying to figure out who the murder was, to be like, ha-ha, it's obvious the butler did it. Isn't that funny? You do spend too much time on the computer. And I was like, I, I hate that so much. It's it's not just that. It's that it, it's it's eight episodes to get to a Black Mirror ending. Yeah, like, Bill, like, and, Bill was but, right. Bill was right. You spend too much time on the internet talking about this TV show. Bill was right. Throw your, throw your computer away because the actual answer is The butler dumb. did it. <laughs> Yep. I mean, I don't. I'm still not mad. I watched it because uh, it looked great. It, it looked, looked great. great. The the first the 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 retroactive mystery was real good. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, the 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 silver. Like so the the whole the premise. Silver dough. Yeah. The the whole premise is basically like I said like a couple episodes we talked about it. Rich billionaire gets people from like a variety of like creative and industrial endeavors all together on his little uh, his retreat up in Iceland or whatever it is, and then murders start happening there. And one, mm-hmm. and the main character is like a, a true crime author who, like, as a true crime like internet sleuth, actually like solved an unsolved mystery uh, between like a killer who, like, basically it was a, a whole bunch of Jane Doe killings, and then she kind of pieces together that like the random items that these Jane Does are followed with, like, are found with, are actually from the previous killings, but it's going like all across like interstates and whatever so nobody's actually putting it together that whole flashback mystery plays out like in flashbacks through each episode that's great i would have watched that show mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like that that's a good that does, does, it, does it tie into the one that's happening there well it, the, it it establishes the relationship of characters in the modern time so it's like it's explaining okay. why two characters have the relationship that they do so it's it's like a it serves as both a like like a what's the word i'm looking for like why can't I remember? This sounds pretty cool. It is. It, it like it, it yeah, is cool, it is. and 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 a lot of the characters are, are cool. And, and the, all that. the fact it's... that the fact that the two of them solving the Jane the Silver Doe murders were basically gender swapped archetypes, without 
smashing you over the head with it. It was fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Bill, exactly. Bill she, was, Bill was the, the unf- like, yeah. Yeah. She's the unflinching. Gotta get it done. Hard-nosed detective. And he's kind of the emotional, like, think about what this is doing to you. Like, what cost are you paying to solve this mystery? And I don't like it. I don't think it's worth it for I love, you. The, the scene that I love is, is just like, uh, like there's obviously like there's romantic tension building between these two characters through these flashbacks or whatever. And like they find out something like particularly grisly and they're back at the hotel. And then she like makes the first move on the guy and the guy's like, yeah, no, what? No. Like what, we, what did we, what did we do today? <laughs> like read the room. And she's like, Oh, what? We, we dug up a body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you, like, you, well. you psychopath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is not the time or the place like to make this move. And she's like, Oh, whoops yeah yeah that that part's good and and even most of the most of the stuff up in iceland is is good Mm -hmm. except for the fact that like i i when you said i hope it's not the ai i was only about halfway through uh, Mm -hmm. and then towards like with two or three episodes left i was like it's the ai (laughs) like so when, when scott said it i was like boy i hope not and then it kind of like it seems like it's itched. the only thing. Yeah, it seems like it's the only thing that makes sense. And I was like, man, if they have something else, more power to them. But boy, is this going to be stupid when it's the AI? And, and then it was the AI. Yeah. And, and I mean, it was, was the AI. It's slightly, slightly clever. Like I, I don't want to fully spoil it in case John ever, ever watches it. It's not as silly as like the AI poisoned someone. Like the AI did some roundabout, like circumventing his AI programming and crap and whatever else to to do. Social it. engineering. Yeah, yeah, like so, social engineering the murder instead of just being like I, I, you know, locked someone out in the cold and frozen to death or whatever the heck it is, you know. Mm-hmm. So they they did put some thought into it, but it, like it took. What did I say in the email thread? I was like, I would say it drops at a full grade. Like I think it was almost like an A minus show, and it drops to like a B minus based yeah. based on the ending. I don't know if you agree, Scott. I again, it it like hurt that last but the journey is still good <laughs> yeah the set is great the characters are great that the, the the directing is great uh the acting for mostly a bunch of actors I'd, i've not seen before and clive owen and, and clive owen i mean clive owen is probably the worst actor in the show kind of he's not great in it. <laughs> even even mm. the ai was pretty good i like i liked him but um Worth worth watching, uh, and maybe 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 better and... maybe better watching uh, if you know the ending is bad because the expectations won't get so high. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So so Britt Marling, the one of the the writers, uh, I read a bit about her. Mm-hmm. She is the one who plays um, the wife. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she also did the OA on Netflix. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was, the, that was, was really beloved. I never watched it though. Yeah. I never watched it. Either. So the the reason that she started writing and acting stuff, she was like, I started yeah, I got an agent and I started going out to casting calls and it was always I'm I'm twenty two years old, I'm blonde, I'm playing the girlfriend in danger, I'm playing the hmm. just just like the same preppy mean girl over and over again. She's like, I hate everything, so I'm just gonna have to write my own scripts sell them and insist that I play them as part of the contract. And I was like, that's a pretty wild career move to see go so successfully where she is getting to play these like 
interesting roles. 3D because characters. because she writes them and like she show runs them <clears throat> exactly and and like has done it successfully like she's a good enough yeah good, good enough like... at all the things and and i mean like i said other than the other than the big reveal it's a pretty well written show like oh her her character's motivations are fucking crazy at the end when they're revealed i like that a lot yeah 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 that that makes <clears throat> that makes a bunch of sense i wish they didn't hold your hand about the sneeze at the end too yeah. What do you call Cause, it? Oh my god. Like uh, yeah, no, just the sneeze enough would have been good. If you the, the sneeze would have happened then it would have gone fade to black. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I liked it. And like I said, but but not knocks a full a full grade off of its off of its grading. By it, it could have been an all-timer miniseries and it turned into like a Yeah, yeah that's the thing that happened. It's pretty to look at. Mm. Anyway, homework assignment, John. Watch Rebel Moon and then watch eight hours of murder at the end of the world. <laughs> what else you got doing? It's January. Who cares? Uh, this was the Super 9 to 5 Entertainment System, and this was your 2023 year in review. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. <laughs> 9to5.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.